Thanks so much for tuning into 7IM Church's podcast. We are so glad you are here. To connect with us, you can head over to 7imchurch.com slash connect, and we'd love to hear from you. We also post regularly on Facebook at 7IM Church, and we live stream all of our services Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. We believe that God is moving in our midst, and we are so humbled and excited to be a part. Thank you for listening to today's message. How's everyone doing? Hey, whoa, that's really loud. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Um, we're going to be in John chapter 1, so why don't you go ahead and stand up. Chris, do you mind going up there and maybe turning me down a little bit? I like to yell, and I ain't trying to make anyone's eardrums rupture this morning. John chapter 1. How many of you guys were here last week when Pastor Charles preached? Can we get a big amen? Come on, somebody. That was a word. Um, I love that man. I, I actually had somebody text me this week, and they said, no wonder you are the way you are, because you hang out with him. And uh, I'm just saying, I love to be in rooms where I am the dumbest, I am the youngest, and I am the most, uh, I don't know, I have a lot to learn. I love being in rooms where the men around me are smarter than me, wiser than me, they've done it longer than me, so I truly can learn from them and walk away changed and uh, really become the man that God has called me to be. And I'm telling y'all, it, it does not happen in isolation. So uh, I want to challenge you, whatever your area is, whatever your career path is, um, don't always be the smartest one in the room. Uh, find opportunities to learn and grow. And I don't care if you're 17 or if you're 93. If there's still breath in your lungs, you still have an opportunity to grow and to learn and to become all God has called you to be. We are in John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. The Bible says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Come on, say that with me. Come and see. That wasn't loud enough. Come on, one more time. Come and see. So before Pastor Charles was here, we were in kind of a seven-week series, You Asked For It. And so during that series, I took some of life's most asked questions, we did the survey, and so I tried to tackle some of those topics, and what I really was doing was just touching the surface of the discussion. Like, I wanted to get the conversation started, and a lot of those topics we're actually going to dive into deeper as the year continues to move on. But there was one question which was the most asked question in several different ways. But when it came down to it, if we boiled it all down, everyone, almost everyone, was asking the same thing. And here's the question. How do I talk to other people about Jesus? Someone might have worded it. How do I share my faith with the stranger at the supermarket? Someone else might have said, well, how do I ask somebody if they're saved without making it awkward? Like, like how do we have these conversations? 
And, and, and so I saw this question, and I was like, man, that's a good one. I, I could talk all day long about that one, and that's why we're going to be here until 6 o'clock tonight. So we've got lunch. We're going to – no, just kidding. But I am going to spend the next four weeks talking about it. I, I, I want to unpack this at an even deeper level so we truly can become and fulfill the mission that God has called us to. Like, I know, let me, let me burst your bubble real quick this morning, but attending church was not the mission of the church. I, I'm just being honest. I, I love when people gather, like, yo, we came up two weeks where we had over 100 people in the house. So there's a lot of you, but it feels empty right now, okay? I'm just going to be honest. But two years ago, we would have praised for this many people to show up in the house of the Lord. But that's not, that's not the goal. There's so much more that God has called us to. Yes, he calls us to commune together, to worship together. But there is so much more that he has called us to. And one of the things that we are called to do is to be an inviter. To, to, to share the gospel, to, to talk about Jesus. And so for the next four weeks, I really want to unpack the power of invitation and, and how we can apply it to our own lives and now we can use it to see the gospel spread, not just in Mineola, but literally around the world. Okay, I, I want to be honest this morning, though, because if, if you have a relationship with Jesus in the room, you probably would tell me that you have some sort of desire to share your faith. Like, well, of, of course, Pastor, I, I'd love to be able to, to talk to people about Jesus, but... I don't know how to do it. Well, Pastor, I'd, I'd love to be able to talk to people about Jesus, but I'm not the pastor. Well, Pastor, I'd love to talk to people about Jesus, but, and, and we have all these excuses, but I, I want to look at why. why. Why do you want to share your faith? I, I believe it's important that we address this. Number one, we like to talk about things that we have a good experience with. Okay, so think about it. If you went out to eat, and you went to a really good restaurant. I mean, I'm telling y'all, that front rib came out medium rare. It was juicy. It was perfect. And man, you just loved every second of it. What are you going to do? You're probably going to go tell somebody about your experience. You're going to say, hey, have you tried the prime rib at this place, that place, or that place? Has anyone in here been to Disney World? All right, there's two different types of people after you leave Disney World. There's the group that loved it so much they want to tell everybody about it. And then there's the group, and typically it's parents with young kids that say, never go there. It was hell. It was chaotic. I'm just saying. Like, we, we have an experience, and, and we, we talk about the experience. So it's true as followers of Jesus. Like, if we have truly experienced his love, his joy, his forgiveness, the fulfilling life that he calls us to, then of course we want to talk about it. Like, like of course, that's how we see the church grow. I'm just saying people show up, they have a great time on Sunday, and what do they do? Hey, I want to invite you to come check out this church. Hey, I want to invite you to come worship with me. Hey, I want you to come into the house of the Lord with me this week. It's happening literally all around the world. And one of the things... Studies actually show if somebody is personally invited to church or to a worship service, there is an 87% chance that they will actually go. 
Not right away. It might take some time, but at some point, they will, in their mind, make the decision to go. Why? Because regardless of how an invitation is delivered, it says, I see you, I value you, and I care about you. Like, like there's different types of invitations, okay? There's the invitation that you get in the mail, and it's all like bougie enveloped and wax stamped, and you're like, ooh, I know I'm getting invited to something important. And then all it is is Joe Biden asking for your money. <laughs> or or, or you, you get a, an invitation that looks like a postcard, and it's got all these fun colors on it, and it's like, oh, it's little Johnny's first birthday party. Woohoo! Like, like it, there's just something about us as humans that we like to feel included. We like to feel invited. And there's even this invitation where you can just be walking down the street somewhere and someone can see you and they can say, hey, we're having a get together in three hours. Why don't you come join us? And for a minute, you go, they must not have thought of me well enough. They only gave me three hours notice. But deep inside, there's a part of you that goes, I was included. That they thought about me, even if it was just before the event was about to take place, they thought about me. And, and I'm just telling y'all, if the church would begin to understand this, that as we live our lives, I, you guys interact with a totally different group of people than I do. Okay, and we can come to church, we can attend church, we can have the mindset that it's the pastor's job to build the church. No, it's actually my job to equip you to go be the church. And, and so I want to spend the next four weeks doing that very thing. I, I want to equip you to be the church. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, the words of Jesus, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Here's the first point that I want you to see this morning, that as a follower of Jesus, we aren't just called to follow, we're also called to fish. It doesn't say, hey pastor, come follow me and I'll make you. Hey evangelist, come follow. It says, just follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I want to look at this statement a little deeper because it's not just a promise, but it also helps us see our purpose. And if you're anyone like me in life, at some point, and maybe you're at that place right now, you're asking the question, what is my purpose? And we can answer it with a thousand different things. Like, I'm just saying, when I was a youth pastor, I got asked that question all the time. Kids were trying to figure out what college to go to, what career path they wanted to go, all these other things, and they're like, I just don't know my purpose. And when the Lord opened my eyes to this scripture, I began to take every single one of them there, whether they were going to be a vet, whether they were going to be a doctor, whether they were going to go in the military, whether they were going to be a stay-at-home mom, whether they were going to go into full-time ministry. I didn't care what their career was. Let me show you your purpose. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of he promises us that he will make us into our purpose. What is my purpose, Pastor? Well, it's simple, to be a fisher of men. 
This statement is not just descriptive, it's also prescriptive. What does a prescription do? It tells you what medication to take and how often to do it. Well, how is this statement prescriptive? Well, it tells me, you follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We aren't just called to follow, we are called to fish. And I'm just saying, it's going to get uncomfortable. Because it's really comfortable to just be a follower. Like, have y'all ever gone anywhere? And when you're the only one walking in the opposite direction, it feels awkward. Like, you feel like you're missing out on something. Where is everyone else? We're not just called to follow. We're also called to fish. So if we all have this underlying as followers of Jesus, we would all kind of agree. Yes, I, I, I want to share my faith. I want to talk about Jesus, but... Why don't I do it? Well, I'm so glad you asked this morning. I, I, I want to uh, debunk two lies that the enemy has used working overtime to try and convince the church to be a silent church and convince the church to just be a church that follows and not fish. Lie number one this morning, and, and you're probably going to find out that you would, would kind of categorize yourself under one of these two, or maybe both. I've been there too. But lie number one I want to debunk this morning is you have to have it all together to talk about Jesus. You have to have it all together to talk about Jesus. Well, I, I, I want to talk to people about Jesus, but I'm also jacked up. Like I'm broken. I'm imperfect. I've got, I've got my, my life isn't all together. My kids aren't following Jesus. My spouse isn't following Jesus. So how am I supposed to talk to somebody else about Jesus? I don't have it all together. And we believe this lie that we have to have it all together to talk about Jesus. And then we end up being quiet. Then we end up being unproductive. Then we end up being less powerful. And then we find ourselves on our knees. God, why don't you use me? Use me. And he said, son, daughter, I've been waiting. But you think you have to be perfect. And you're not perfect. But can I encourage you this morning? You are God's perfect choice to share Jesus with that person. You see, the devil has convinced us that our lifestyle choices, our imperfections, our impurities, our shortcomings, our disqualifications in the kingdom of God. But every time I pick up this book, every time I read the pages in here, I'm reminded that David, man, was he perfect. But did he talk about Jesus? I keep going through Moses. Was he perfect? Did he talk about Jesus? I mean, I'm just saying, Paul, was he perfect? But did he talk about Jesus? What, what's the difference between Peter, Paul, Matthew, S, all these greats all throughout Scripture that we see take a stand and share the gospel everywhere? What's the difference between them and us? We have believed a lie from the enemy that keeps us silent. And they understood that their perfection or imperfection was not a reflection of 
Jesus. It was a reflection of their humanity. Here's the thing. Maybe the very thing that disqualifies you is actually the very thing that qualifies you to talk to that person about Jesus. Pastor, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. You think that your addiction for years left you broken, destroyed, and there's wounds in your life that you're never going to be get over. Get over. But Jesus saved you. He redeemed you. He restored you. And people are going to say, no, no, no. You were an addict and that's all you'll ever be. And you can step in the gap and you can say, no, uh, not today, Satan. I was an addict, but today I'm a son of the king. And my testimony is going to help lead other addicts to find the freedom that is in the man named Jesus. It can sound a little bit like this. I, I've been divorced. Man, what's my life got to do with this? Well, well, maybe now you're remarried and you're living in a fulfilling marriage, a God-centered marriage. And now, hey, people are going to tell you that you can't help mentor young couples that are struggling. Actually, you're the very one qualified to do it because you know what it's like to be on the other side. You see, Satan would try to convince us that the very thing that we struggled with, the very thing that broke us, the very thing that took us to the bottom of the pit is the thing that disqualifies you. But I want to encourage you, it's actually the very thing that qualifies you to talk to somebody about him. I'm just saying, y'all, I'd rather have somebody come talk to me about Jesus that admits I don't have it all together, but I know the one who does. Then have somebody come up to me and act like they're just perfect, prim and proper, and just, oh, yeah, life is so good. I've never struggled. I've always been blessed and highly favored. Then you must not be human, bro. Like, like we, we've got to stop believing the lie. The thing that you think counts you out is actually the one thing God is counting on you to use to share the gospel. Acts 4.13, Peter and John, are, Jesus has now ascended into heaven, and the disciples have been given the great commission, and Peter and John are doing amazing things for the kingdom of God. I, I mean, they're walking around, they're healing people, they're, they're preaching the good news, and, and they get, you know, questioned and put on trial and all these other things. And listen to what is said about these two men. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Can I rephrase that in the Michael translation? They were human and broken men. Because at that time, to be unschooled and ordinary men, there was something wrong with you. you. You mentally couldn't comprehend. You mentally couldn't achieve. You were too busy. You were too disheveled. There was something wrong with you. That you did not receive the schooling that everybody else did. But listen to this. They might have been unschooled ordinary men. But the other people, they, the people watching them, were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. We don't have to live a perfect life for people to say, hey, Ryan Burgess has been with Jesus. You don't have to live a perfect life for somebody at the school to see Chad Kirk and go, hey, I know Chad Kirk's been with Jesus. You, you don't have to live a perfect life for somebody at the nursing home to see Lou Melgren and go, hey, I know that lady's been with Jesus. They're not saying it because they think that person is perfect. Can I tell you why they're saying it? 
Because that person has realized that even in the midst of their imperfection, that there is a God who loves them, there is a Holy Spirit and power inside of them, and they can live and love every single person in the world that other people would turn their cheek from. That is how people know that we have been with Jesus. You don't have to have it all together to talk about Jesus. Come on, say it. I don't have to have it all together. To talk about Jesus. Lie number two. You have to know all the answers to talk about Jesus. Like, I, I just want to get real, man. There's situations and, and different things in life that cause you to just kind of pause and think and I, I don't know why I'm sharing this story, but it just popped into my head, so I'm going to share it. When I was a senior in college, a couple buddies of mine, we got together and we thought it would be funny to, to go interview at jobs and career choices that we were not qualified or prepared for. So, so we picked out, we're going we're gonna to go apply for five jobs that we're not qualified for and we know absolutely nothing about, and we, we had a contest. To see how many of us could actually get a job offer from some of these places. Okay, that sounds kind of crazy. I'm going somewhere with this. So, so I went and, and I, I mean, I was I applied at med school. I applied at a dental office. I was doing all these different things. And believe it or not, I was offered four of the five jobs. I knew nothing about them. So why did they send me a job offer? Well, because when I sat in the interview, do you know what I showed them? I showed them that I was a team player. I showed them that I was teachable. I showed them that I was dependable. And I showed them that if I didn't know how to do something, give me a day and I'd figure out how to do it. I didn't know all the answers. But I knew I was going to find a way to get there. Sometimes when, when we start to talk about Jesus with people, you guys know, right? Hey, you want to come to church with me on Sunday? Oh, I'm not a Christian. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, you want to know why I'm not a Christian? Because my mom died of cancer. Why would God let bad things happen to good people, huh? Tell me the answer to that. Hey, you want to you want to come to church with me? No, I, I, I ain't going to go to church. God hates bads. Why would I go to church? Tell me the answer to that. Hey, can I talk to you about... Jesus for a minute. Oh, okay, well, well, are you preacher, pro streamer, or mentor? What is it? How's the world going to end? Are we living in the end times? I don't know. What's going on? It's like the minute we try to have a conversation with somebody about Jesus, they start asking questions. Like, I don't know about you, but our human, we don't like questions. You're on the road. Dad, how long till we get there? Dad, can we stop to go pee? Like, shut up! I don't like the questions. Or maybe you're like me, and I'm not saying this is my wife or not. She's holy and redeemed, but maybe you're driving down the road and you get this question. Hey, honey, did you see the speed limit's only 30? Why are you going 45? We don't like questions. And oftentimes we try to share Jesus with one person. 
And they ask us so many questions. We feel like an idiot. We feel stupid. And we don't feel like a good enough Christian because we didn't know the answer to give them for their question. And we just stopped sharing Jesus altogether. But we've got to understand you don't have to have all the answers to talk about him. Can we be honest, y'all? I'm your pastor. Like, this is my life to study his word, to unpack his truth. But even I don't know the answer to all of the questions. And if you ask me a question I don't know the answer to, what are we going to do? We're going to sit down, we're going to open God's word, we're going to see where we can find what it talks about and what his answer is. And sometimes, even then, we don't find the answer that we think we need, and that's where faith comes in. I don't know, but I know God does. And I'm going to trust his word that he says he who is faithful to start something will be faithful to complete it. And so I'm going to trust that word to be faithful to Look back with me at John chapter 1, the story this morning. Philip has an experience with Jesus. Jesus invites Philip, hey, come follow me. And, and I love this because Philip didn't just drop everything right away and follow him. What did he do? He had an experience and he was going to go tell somebody about it. So he ran. He found Nathaniel and he said, Nathaniel! Like, this is the day we've been dreaming of, bro. Jesus of Nazareth, he's here. He's in the flesh, IRL, in real life. Like, come on, bro. Let's go see him. And those daggum questions, Nathaniel says in response, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can I tell you right there, that's where so many of us miss the mark. We started the conversation talking about Jesus. Then we're asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can I tell you what happens? We stop talking about Jesus and we start arguing the theology of Nazareth. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, there, there's some good things. I mean, like, avocados come out of Nazareth, so there's some good things from there. Like, you got to understand, bro, like, not much. Did Philip do any of that? Like, look at what the Bible says. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? So Philip said to him, come and see. He, he didn't debate. He didn't argue he simply just said well why don't you just come and see and, and it's so hard for us because in that moment we think we're getting put in, we're getting put on the stand and we have to argue we have to prove ourselves that we know Jesus we know the Bible we know the answer and we think we have to give an answer right there for that question that that person has asked and maybe all they need is not an answer, but an invitation to come and see. You see, Philip had this experience with Jesus, and it doesn't really give us a lot of details between what happened between Philip and Jesus. But Jesus says, follow me. For some reason, Philip is stoked about it, and he wants to tell Nathaniel. So something's going on. And I'm just telling y'all, one second in the presence of Jesus changed Philip's life. And the reason Philip was so excited to tell Nathaniel about it was because Philip believed in the moment, the presence.
presence of Jesus can change anything in anyone. And so he said, I'm going to go get my boy Nathaniel. We're going to go follow Jesus together. But then the daggum question. What good can come out of Nazareth? And here's what I'm trying to say to the church this morning. Jesus has called us to be his witnesses, not his attorneys. Somebody say amen because that's good. I'm just telling you, you don't see the depth of that right now if you didn't get excited. Let, let me tell you real quick, all right? Let's go to school real quick. What's an attorney's job? An attorney's job is to prove guilt or innocence. That is their entire job. They're trying to debunk what happened to say who's guilty, who's innocent, what the heck just happened. All right? That's the attorney. Praise God, we don't have to do that because Jesus didn't say, hey, 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 Ray, I'm going to need you to prove my existence to the rest of the world. Did he tell us to do that? No. What did he tell you? Randy, why don't you be my witness? Why? Because the cross proved everything. Easter Sunday proved everything. His resurrection proved everything. You've got nothing left to prove. But he did call us to be his witnesses. What's the difference between the attorney and the witness? The attorney is there to prove guilt or innocence. What the heck is the witness doing? He's there to put his hand on the Bible and say, I solemnly swear to tell the truth and the the truth. And I'm here to tell my story. We weren't called to prove whether or not God is real or he's not, whether or not Jesus is alive or he's not. We were just called to tell our story. That's it. Like, I mean, that's freeing to me. I, I don't have to know all the answers. I can just tell people my Acts 1a, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm so glad it doesn't say you will be my attorneys. And I'm telling you, there are men and there are women who have spent their entire life's work proving the existence of Jesus proving that this word, the living word of God, the events that took place in this Bible actually did happen. And praise God for those people. But we don't have to do it. I'm just saying I've sat in a room with an author. His name's Lee Strobel. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He wrote the book The Case for Christ, and it's kind of turned into a bunch of other stuff. But I sat in a room with him, and, and his story is amazing. And he said, Michael, what's so interesting is I actually started my studying to prove that God was not real. But in the process of my studies, I met a man named Jesus who was so real to me, I had to prove to the rest of the world that he was real. I mean, that's his story. Like, that's the God that we serve, that he is taking the men and women that are trying to live their life in opposition to them, and he is changing them, he is setting them free, he is restoring them, he is redeeming them, he is forgiving them. And they are now testimonies of God's great power and work in their life. Y'all, it should be freeing for us to know that we're just called to be his witness. Because one of the things that's amazing about your story is nobody can argue with it. 
Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Yeah, I, I, I don't really have time. My mom died of cancer, so why would God allow bad things to, to happen to good people? And does a loving God really send people to hell? And they start asking all these questions, and you know what you can do? Hey, I did it. I lost my mom to cancer, too, five years ago. This, I'm, I'm, this isn't me, all right? I'm just saying and, and I know what it's like to think that God allows these bad things to happen, but do you know why bad things happen? Not because God sends them, but because we live in a fallen, broken world. Can I tell you my story real quick about how I found hope in the man named Jesus? The, the minute that you start to tell your story, they can't argue any of it. It's your story. That, that's the beautiful thing about being his witness is that we're called to tell our story. And what's amazing about our story, it's at the end of our life, and even now it's a part of his story. And you know that class that you absolutely hated in history? History, his story from the beginning of time to the end of time, all God has been doing is writing his story. In your life, through your life, for your life, for the rest of but how do we do it? How do we tell our story? I'm so glad you asked. Man, you guys are so engaged and asking questions. I love it. Yes. We're almost done. I'm winding down, so that means we got 30 minutes left. But, but I want you to, I, I'm giving you practical tools. I'm trying to equip the church to do the work of the ministry this morning. Here's what I want you to see. Your story is broken into three parts. Everyone, as a follower of Jesus, your story is broken into three parts. And if you're not a follower of Jesus in this room this morning, I'm praying that part number two today would become the day of your life. But, but here's what your story is broken into. Number one, my life before Jesus. There was a point in all of our lives that we lived a life before Jesus. We, we lived in lifestyles of sin. We made bad choices. We were unhappy. We were depressed. We were this, that, or the other. We lived life before Jesus. Even if you grew up in the church, even if you fell asleep under the pew every single Sunday, there would have been at some point in your life a life before Jesus. But then part two, and this is the greatest miracle to ever happen. It's called salvation. It's the moment that you realize your need for Jesus. It's a moment when you realize, I can't do it on my own. I, I've got sin in my life, and I know the consequence of my sin is death. And I need to get right. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. And I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out here, all right? You could have lived your entire life in the church. And if you cannot remember the moment... That you realized your need for Jesus. That that transforming moment where you declared that he was Lord of your life. Then I would propose to you this morning that you might not yet be saved. We're not going to die and get to heaven and God's going to pull out the attendance books for church, y'all. He's going to look for the moment when you realize Jesus I I can't do it on my own. I, I need you for the forgiveness of my sins. I need you to be Lord of my 
life. And the beautiful thing about salvation is it's not the finish line. It's the starting line to the third part of your story, and that's what your life is like with Jesus. Not perfect, but saved. Not, not full, but redeemed in him. And I'm telling y'all, you might be unhappy in moments, but so full of his joy. This is the easiest way to break down your story. Who I was before Jesus, how I realized I needed him, and what my life is like now. Like I'm just saying, if we began to just be his witnesses, and, and we stopped trying to be his attorneys, and, and we just started to tell people about the man named Jesus who changed our life for the better. And I'm just saying, y'all, the testimony of the radically saved, the ex-prisoner, the, the ex-drug addict, the ex-porn addict, the ex-adulterer, that, that testimony of being radically saved is beautiful, amazing, and awe-inspiring. But I also want to encourage you. The testimony of the person who was raised in church their entire life and from the age of eight or nine years old realized that they needed a Jesus who loves them. They needed the forgiveness of sins. And they've been faithful for 60, 70, 80 years is just as powerful as a testimony. So don't let the devil tell you that your story doesn't have an impact. We need them both. We need the Paul moments. And we need the faithfulness of Abraham to say there's men and women that have been faithful for 60, 70, 80, 90 years to the kingdom of God. And your story matters. 1 John 5.10 says, those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony of the Son of God. You're a follower of Jesus in this room this morning. I'm here to tell you, you have the testimony of God inside of you. Your story, your history is all about his story and what he's writing in your life. And it's time we stop trying to be the attorney to every single person we have in life that has questions. And we start to tell them our story and we start to be a fill up and say, hey, 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 I, I know it hurts. I know you've got questions, but why don't you just come and see? Come and experience the presence of Jesus. Because I believe the presence of Jesus can truly change anything in anyone. And what's so beautiful about this is at some point in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, that God sent a Philip into your world. What was the difference between your life before Jesus and how you realized you needed him? Somebody walked into your world and said, hey, come and see. And it might have been mom and dad that they drug you to church every Sunday out of their love and abundance of love for you. So that way you would understand that there truly is a God in heaven who loves you. Or you might have been drinking at a bar and a buddy came up and said, hey, man, I just got saved last week. I don't know everything. I'm not even sure what's going on in my life right now. But I need you to just come and see this Jesus God. At some point, somebody was a fill-up to us. The question is, are we willing to be a fill-up for somebody else? A simple invitation can redirect someone's eternal destination. The question is, 
are we going to talk about it? Are we going to share our faith? I want to end with this little illustration real quick. i got to pull up some fish up here, and for the sake of this, let's just act like these are real fish, okay? <laughs> and fish need water to survive, correct? And so they're really happy up here in their bowl. And y'all might know this, but up here in the front two rows, you're actually going to splash them. So good luck. They, they're really happy. They're living the fullest life that they were created to live in this bowl. And then Satan comes in and he just starts chucking the fish heads up. I, I told y'all the water is what the fish need to live. Are you going to help the fish get back in the water? Guys, those fish are dying. I need the fish. Come put them back in the water. Oh, come put the fish. The fish are dying. Y'all are slow. That, that, they're dead. I don't even want them. Don't even bring them. They're dead. I was at a youth camp meeting and the, the preacher did this illustration. And I'm telling y'all, it wrecked my life. He threw the fish out, and I'm telling y'all, he used real fish, okay? He threw the fish out into the crowd. Not a single person. I'm just going to be honest, some of y'all aren't very quick to help these fish either. And then you finally did get up, and what happened? They died before they got back to the water. Why do we have that same approach with souls? There's a living water in Jesus that all of us were created to live with. We can only experience the fullness of life when we're living inside of his presence. And there are people outside of these walls who are waiting for us to come banging on their door. I need to talk to you about Jesus. I need to tell you how he changed my life. I need to tell you how he set me free from addiction. I need to tell you how I was at the end of my rope. And he set me free. And when we become so comfortable and just start following, we show up to church and we want our hymns and we want this and we want that the way that we desire. And if it doesn't happen, we get mad or sometimes we even leave a certain church. It was never about Jesus for you. Because I'm going to do everything short of sin to see people reach with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Because tomorrow might be too late. And Brian, I put you on the spot, but buddy, you just died. <coughs> There's somebody in your life right now that needs Jesus. And if you're slow to get up like Brian was, you might not ever get the chance. Who do we need to invite into the presence of Jesus? A simple invitation can redirect someone's eternal destination. And there will come a day that's too late. There will come a moment and the clock has chimed. The time is up. 
Somebody's waiting for you to be a Philip today. To say, hey, 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 I had, I had an experience in the presence of Jesus. It changed my life. I know his presence can change anything and anyone. So let me, let me bring you. Let me pick you up. Let me get you into the presence. And, and I'm not talking about building our church to be bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm talking about building his kingdom. And maybe the presence of Jesus they need is not a Sunday morning gathering. But it's you showing up next week with the Bible and saying, hey, let's sit and talk about this man. That simple invitation can redirect someone's eternal destination. I want to pray this morning. And I want to invite you. I'm looking at so many faces in the room, and I know so many of you are, are Jesus followers. And, and somebody asked me one time, why do you give a, a salvation call every Sunday? And I said, because if I don't, then the entire message that I just preached was a waste. Because I'm here to make heaven more crowded and to see all people experience the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you, every eye closed, every head bowed this morning. I want to give a simple invitation. Would you begin a relationship with Jesus today? This simple invitation will change. Your eternal destination. Because the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And that the penalty of sin is death. And death means that we are separated from the passing of this earth. We are separated from the glory of God in his presence forever in a place called hell. But making the decision today to surrender your life to Jesus can change that for eternity. Not only do you get to experience him right now on this side of eternity. But at the end of your life, when you take your last breath here on this side, you will be entered into the fullness of the presence and the glory of God forever and ever. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. So I want to give that invitation. Would you start a relationship with him today? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. That's how simple it is. you're in this room and you need to make that decision, have that conversation with your Heavenly Father right now. But I want to pray right now for this church. I want to pray right now for every soul in this room that calls themselves a follower of Jesus. I want to pray for a sense of urgency right now to level up inside of you. As Holy Spirit comes into this place and as he moves in the hearts of those in this room, I want to pray right now that he would reveal to you one, two, three, I don't know how many, but name specific people this week that you need to talk to about Jesus. Just ask him to. Ask him to show you who you need to talk to Jesus about. You probably already know if we're being honest this And I'm going to release right now the Holy Spirit boldness that he first gave Peter and John and so many others in the book of Acts to fulfill the great commission at the early church. That Holy Spirit, you would come and you would fan the flame inside of each and every follower in this room this morning. That we would leave this place understanding we're not just called to follow, but Jesus, we're called to fish. And you promised us that as we follow you, you would make us fishers of men. So Holy Spirit, give us the boldness. Give us the courage. Give us the tenacity. Give us the wisdom. Give us the words. Give us the love. 
to share Jesus with every single person we, we interact Because we don't know when that fish is going to run out of life. And it's going to be too Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We pray all of these things in your holy and precious name, all of God's children said. Amen. And amen. Well, hey, church, I love you guys. When you came in, there was a little business card on your seat. And uh, the, the one side is just the cross equals love. The other side, I know it's small, small font, but uh, it's just a little invite for Easter. We are going to flood southwest Kansas. I mean, the area with these invites, with postcards. And one of the things that I want you to know is it's super intentional that on the one side, the only message is cross equals love. Because at the end of the day, I'm not interested in building 7IM Church to become some massive church. I'm interested in people understanding the message of the gospel, that the cross equals love. And, and so take these. These are It's a great resource. Oh, I don't know how to start up the conversation. Hand them a card. Invite them to church and, and see where God takes the conversation from there. I had somebody ask me last week. What do you think the purpose is on Sunday morning? And, and I'm going to do this here on out. I don't know how long, but I'm going to end every service with this declaration. Because when he asked me that question, I said, you know what I think Sunday is? I think on Sundays we celebrate what God did in the life of the church Monday through Saturday. Church isn't just on Sunday, y'all. So I'm going to challenge you this week to go be the church. We'll see you guys next week.